Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Carolina Contractor Show. I'm Eric Smith. With us as usual, Donnie Blanchard from SureTop Roofing. How are you, Donnie? Fantastic, sir. Thank you for asking. And if this were a game, we'd be moving left to right in your stereo field. (laughs) But we've got a lot of things to talk about today. But if you don't know what the show is about, go to the website first, thecarolinacontractor.com. You can get all the information of past shows. And and there's also stuff up on the Facebook site for thecarolinacontractor.com that you put up that isn't necessarily directly related to the show, correct? That's exactly right. Yes, sir. We put up articles that we find interesting, and we usually try to cover everything we talk about on the show with a link or just a reference back to that show. Yeah, and you have news stories and stuff like that, and you can also find past episodes of the Carolina Contractor on the website. Last week, we talked about hempcrete, <laughs> which is a building material that also makes you very snacky. It's just a building material made out of hemp, and you explained in detail right. on how they make the hemp mixed with lime. Lime, yes, sir. That's right. the, bo- the binding agent. Very popular in uh, Europe for quite a while, actually. It is, yes. Sir. All right. We also talked about a very cool thing, exoskeletons and construction. This is basically something you put on that helps you lift more weight than you can lift. Right. So, again, go to the website, get those details at thecarolinacontractor.com. Before we start off with today's topic, you have a little news blip there, Donnie, don't you? Yeah. My eyes are always open for something I think folks might find interesting. And I don't know how interesting this is, but it caught my eye. I read an article where they said that about 50% of construction jobs could be automated by the year 2050. And when I dove in, the actual number that they claimed was 2.7 million positions could be replaced by machines by, they said, 2057. And uh, the more I thought about that, I just don't know how realistic it is. And we were talking off the air. You made a comment that a couple of the things that were supposed to be further along than they are now just kind of... Yeah, back in the 50s, there were movies always coming out about machines taking over. And, of course, there's The Terminator, which that's (laughs) more realistic. But when I was a kid, there were going to be robots taking care of laundry and dishes Mm -hmm. and vacuuming and everything, household chores. And today we have, like, the Roomba, which works in theory but can get distracted by a hair tie that my daughter left on the floor right. or too much cat hair, right. and then it doesn't work. I still have to do dishes myself and things like that. I think automation or robots would be able to assist in construction. I just don't get the gut feeling that there's no. going to be an army of robots taking over construction jobs. I think they have strong potential to be assisting in manufacturing. Look at cars. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of robotic work done, but you still have people on the lines right. helping run and, and manufacture the same products. I agree. And I just don't. I've been through several scenarios on the job site where you had to think through things. You had to think from a budget standpoint. You had to think from a manpower standpoint and, of course, a timing standpoint. And I just don't know how they're going to get all that crammed into a, a machine that will take the place of a, of a person there that would make that decision. Right. I could see a machine assisting of moving, in your case, shingles mm-hmm. from the ground to the roof or something. But I don't see them like you gave a great example, an on-the-job decision you have to make. 
make. Right. The machine is going to be like the going back to the Roomba vacuum. It's just going to go, I'm lost, I'm going back home, and it shuts down, and then you get a notice saying, hey, we're not working on the job site now. The AI robot has said it's confused. I think those Roomba vacuums are just made for folks without children. Don't you yes. agree? I have a friends that <laughs> name theirs. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't know the name, and even if I did, probably shouldn't say it so I don't get myself in trouble. But today's topic on the Carolina Contractor Show is ZIP. We got nothing. Nada. Or ZIP stand for something. Well, uh, ZIP, yeah, it's an acronym. Uh, ZIP system is something that's become ever so popular as an option for a building envelope, but uh, wanted to cover several different building envelope options today and just cover the ins and outs. Just hit the high spots mainly and talk about how they compare to traditional framing, how realistic they are to implement, and just how cost-effective they might be. So you have ZIPs and SIPs. <laughs> It's So the ZIP system is one, and mm-hmm. SIPs, which are structural insulated panels. We've touched on these at some point in the last year, but I thought it might be a good idea to condense these into to one show and just talk about what make these different from each other. Well, let's start with the end of the alphabet first and start with the ZIP. ZIP. What's that? So if you've ever ridden through a subdivision, you see these walls that are green and they have a brown roof. You know, Of course, yeah, that yeah. catches your eye, and you just say, hey, what, is that some new form of building? And, and really, it's not. It's um the same OSB we would normally use as a plywood sheathing around a house, but it's impregnated with like a resin material. So that And unmarried. And unmarried. Yeah, we won't go into that. But uh, the, Not um, judging. Right, no judgment. The um, the green, of course, is for the walls. The brown is for the roof. And they claim that um, this is a faster method for getting a house dried in. So if you are in a subdivision and you have back-to-back-to-back houses being built, uh, they say that it's easier on the framer just to put the plywood on the outside or the zip system plywood on the outside, and they tape the joints. So that's the difference in that. And that's the difference between the zip and the traditional framing method where they would cover it with house wrap. But supposedly the magic with this system is this flashing tape that is really strong and it works really well in most cases if it's applied correctly. Um, It tapes all the seams and one advantage that gives that envelope is that it prevents any sort of drafts. Now we'll get into this a little later with some of the questions, but when we talked about convective versus conductive heat transfer, um, there's always pressure pushing on your house. There's always uh, at least a strong wind or a light wind and it's pushing its way into the inside of your home to depressurize the inside. So um, supposedly these taped joints are superior to what would be that of the uh, house wrap. Mm-hmm. It is similar to traditional framing, but it has engineered wood components, meaning these boards are considered engineered wood. You don't look at a, a piece of OSB and think about, hey, that's engineered. But really, the way that they press it together, um, it is superior to just regular plywood in, in several ways. Uh, we did a whole show on OSB versus CDX plywood. Mm-hmm. Sure but um, the, uh, the thing that I'm not a big fan of is how much this thing costs. So if you have a straight ranch-style house, with two gables on the end, then this works fine. You know, you're supposed to install this stuff with a one-eighth inch gap, so expansion contraction can happen, and that's pretty standard. But um, if you get into one of these floor plans that's really cut up, so you have these uh, higher-end three hundred dollars to $500,000 houses, and the requirements for the ZIP system are just a little bit too strenuous to, to make this cost-effective because the labor isn't faster. The labor actually takes longer when you run into a cut-up house like mm-hmm. that. So not a fan there. Uh, if you're talking about the warranty for this product, it has a 30-year warranty. Now, versus is Tyvek, which is the closest comparison. That's a house wrap most people are familiar with. Tyvek only has a 10-year warranty. Uh, the catch there is that the zip system warranty is not transferable. So once the first homeowner sells that house, his warranty is done. Now, Donnie, you said this was very similar to a traditionally framed house, but how do you get the same results with this zip system? Right. Um, I'm a bigger fan of the traditional framing uh, just because that's what I've always done. And of course, I'm more comfortable with it than the zip system. And um, before I jump off a of zip, I- I've driven through subdivisions where 
where this wasn't done correctly. I've seen houses where the exterior tape was just basically hanging in place, and I think quality control is is a really important part to make that zip system do what it's supposed to do. But um, with tr- traditional framing, it's more of a step-by-step process. So you do the uh, the walls, and then you come in and flash the windows. You do the Tyvek, all in separate steps. And um, my recommendation to achieve the same results, especially in terms of our value, uh, I'm a big fan of doing a 2x6 exterior wall. Now, we do have folks who've asked for a 2x8 exterior wall. I feel like for our climate zone here in the southeast, 2x8 is a little bit overboard. But if you think of a 2x4 and a 2x8, you're basically doubling your insulation. So mm. um, that's a lot of money saved, and I have a great example of that later in the show. But say we do a 2x6 exterior wall. You just put the regular OSB, which is the same as a zip system without the uh, resin coating on that. Um, on the inside of that, when we do our insulation package, we're big fans of flash and bat, which mm-hmm. is one inch of spray foam insulation. And then you put as much as an R19 in that 2x6 wall cavity. So with the R value of the one inch spray foam being about an R7 per inch, and then you have R19, you know, you could have as much as an R26 in that cavity. And I won't go into the 2x6 being a thermal bridge and that sort of thing, but there are a lot of things you can do to cut down on that heat transfer. I guess the most important part of traditional framing versus the zip system is that in traditional framing, everything has positive laps. So Tyvek comes in 10-foot width. So, of course, you put the bottom one on first, Mm -hmm. you go over top of that on a two-story, and there is a positive lap. So should water ever get behind the siding or the brick veneer, you know, it runs down. The drawback to the zip system, as I see it, it has all butt joints. So, of course, it's an eighth-inch gap there, but all the zip system components are butted together, and there's just no positive laps. I don't think on a custom home the zip system is as attractive because there's no hurry. You know, you don't have to rush through the process, and if you frame it, you put the plywood on one day, you know, you come back and uh, you take your time putting the Tyvek on, and, you know, you go window by window, and it's just more of a, uh, a thorough process. You get to examine each piece and part, and you don't have several people working at different parts of the house to try to just, uh, like we say, throw this thing together or throw this house up, and right. uh, I think on a custom house, just going piece by piece gets you a better, higher quality end product. All right, let's move from ZIPS to SIPS. What's a SIP, the acronym? <laughs> um, the acronym stands for Structural Insulated Panels, and we've done several houses where we went behind the framing contractor who did the structural insulated panels, and um, I really don't see any disadvantages other than the fact that these are built off-site and maybe they're a little bit bulky to transport. You know, they're not comfortable to handle because they weigh so much, but when you get these things in place, you know, the R value is through the roof, and uh, basically the way this works is you give these folks a floor plan, and the main thing to make sure of is that you measure the masonry after the masonry is complete, because if it's off one inch, being that these things are built in a factory off-site, you know, they could send this in there, and you could be off by a foot in either direction if you don't verify your measurements. Well, if that did happen, could you make an adjustment for it? You can make an adjustment. It's not an easy thing to do, and you can do some back framing in the field, but everything has to be run through an engineer, and it's just not an easy process. So, the rule of measure twice, cut once is very important in this case. Yeah, You're basically getting a sandwiched structural composite, so that's two pieces of plywood with some insulation sandwiched in between, and it's usually a little bit thicker than a traditional wall. Um, One thing that I do like about these structural insulated panels is that uh, the roof structure is is very bulky, and uh, of course, most of your heat loss happens up to down, not left to right, so being that this these roof panels are so well, well insulated, it's almost like a cheaper version of doing spray foam. So, oh, really? Yeah, it is. It's a thicker panel. It doesn't give you the same R value as spray foam, and in some cases, you still have ventilation requirements, which when you do spray foam, you don't have to use a ridge vent, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think that it is a good a good thing for uh, for the roof. But as far as the walls go, I think what I just mentioned with a 2x6 and 2x8 piece-by-piece framing versus something built off-site, I just don't know that it makes sense to spend the extra money because uh, if there were a downside, these things are pricey. Uh, changes are difficult. If there had to be something from an 
R-value standpoint uh, that, that they lack, it's thermal mass. So we're going to get into some uh, masonry-type walls, and, and one of the advantages of masonry walls is they hold heat. So mm-hmm. if they heat up, then, of course, they hold that for longer throughout the day. And just because these structural insulated panels are basically just wood and rigid foam, you know, they don't hold heat or cool. If you can't retrofit, Donnie, with a SIP, what can you do to modify an existing house envelope? Right. Well, there's no exact science to this, and we've covered a ton of this in some of our previous shows. But I tell folks, go for the max R value. You know, a lot of these older homes are just leaky, and they don't have a very good R value. And there are several things, and it's not always easy, but there are several things you can do mm-hmm. to uh, increase your R value. I think uh, windows are one of the primary things we talk about because a brand-new window with the double-pane glass, ar- uh, argon, argon gas between the panes, and then the low-E coating still only yields an R3, which isn't very strong. We talked about the walls on a 2x6 with the spray foam and the uh, bad insulation giving you as much as an R26. Right. So if you're walking along this wall and it's R26, R26, and you hit a window and you drop down to an R3, and that's a good window, you know, that just tells you that old windows are just really, uh, really bad. And yeah. So instead of worrying about robots that can do our jobs for us, <laughs> why don't you make a window that's like over an R10? Yeah, that's exactly right. We need to do that. Make <laughs> a million science bucks. science needs to be focusing on. That's exactly right. But um, so windows, and, and windows aren't necessarily the, the big culprit, but the space around the window perimeter, that that's usually where most of your heat loss and heat gain takes place. Uh, a lot of times you can go up to a window casing around there and put your hand up there and you can actually feel a draft on a windy day. Um, the way that we do our windows is we set our, we set our windows in the rough opening during new construction and I put a product, it's a foam product actually made for, uh, it's actually made to go under your seal plate. So it's called seal seal, like S-I-L-L-S-E-A-L. So we put seal seal under the window where it sits in the, the rough opening cavity and we do the low expansion spray foam on the sides and the top of that window just because uh, for years and years they left that cavity open. They didn't insulate around the perimeter of the window and a lot of people with these four or $500 electric bills, it is attributed mm. almost exclusively to the space around the window. Another thing that we talked about, uh, you can add insulation from the outside to the wall cavities. We um, There was a method called drill and fill where you take off a piece of right. siding all the way around and that's a really popular thing to do and it's not very expensive uh, considering what you'll save over time. Of course, you want to check overhead and below. Uh, the, the ceiling and the floor still count as part of that envelope. So we talked about you need a minimum of an R19 in the crawl space up against the floor and the building code for the attic space is an R38. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recommend going about an R44 or even over an R50 if you've got a little bit of extra money to spend. Blown in installation is super cheap. Uh, but before you do that, it's really important that you seal the top and bottom plate. So if you have a ceiling fan or you have an old light fixture that's up against your ceiling, you want to take that mounting bracket down or actually the cover plate down from around the mount- mounting bracket and usually you can see a hole straight into your attic right yeah. there. So when your return kicks on, it's pulling air from anywhere it can. It's pulling air out of that attic that's unconditioned and in a lot of cases way too humid for the living space. This sounds too simple, but add weather stripping where mm-hmm. possible. Check around your windows and doors and a $10 pack of weather stripping can go a long, long way. Um, if you have, and a, I've said before, not to interrupt, yeah. but I did interrupt, uh, getting a piece of incense or when we just light off fireworks punk, mm-hmm. lighting that and it lets out a slow yep. uh, a smoke line and then just that's go it. around your door frame. You can instantly see where you have a draft. You're exactly there, right. There's also electronics, but this way you get to work with a little bit of fire. <laughs> right. It makes it cool and smell good too. Exactly. Um, if you have a fireplace opening, that's a big thing because when your return kicks on, especially if you don't have a damper in that fireplace, you know, it's pulling unconditioned air from the outside of the house. And uh, mm-hmm. if it's a wood-burning fireplace, we recommend if you're not using that fireplace for nine months out of 12, then balloons, chimney balloons, right, mm-hmm. right, chimneyballoon.com and uh, measure the opening of your fireplace uh, there and a chimney balloon will, will insert right into there. It's very easy to do and, and it keeps all that outside air from being pulled into the return. And they're great for parties too. Yep. And I uh, had a neat story. This isn't 
wasn't really a common way to retrofit an envelope, but we had a homeowner. Um, she basically had these skylights all over her house, just an excessive amount. I want to say it was eight or ten, and she had four in her kitchen area. Well, her kitchen area faced due south, and the skylights basically took in sunlight for about four hours out of the day. So what that did is it heated her kitchen up about 10, 15 degrees, and it was extreme. So it was it was 10 more degrees than the remainder of the house because the thermostat was nowhere near the kitchen, mm. just coincidentally. So what we did when we replaced the roof is we got her lined up with the folks from Velux, and she actually got a nice tax credit for doing this on top of the, the cost of the skylights. We put skylights with blind inserts over her kitchen area. She calls me a month later and says, this has changed our life. She said, really? my, my family hangs out in the kitchen for the first time since we've lived in the house. So Maybe you it know, was her cooking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the guts to say that to her, but anyway, um, and the last thing I'll say about envelope retrofits, uh, mm-hmm. we talked about a duct blaster test, um, mm-hmm. the, um, yep. uh, to test your duct leakage and it doesn't cost anything if you call an HVAC guy out just to give you a quote. When he's out there, I recommend picking his brain and saying, Hey, are we sized okay? Do we have the proper tonnage per the square footage? And I know that we said the, depending on the insulation value in the house, if you just have traditional bat insulation, it's usually about uh, 600 square feet per ton. If you get into spray foam, of course that goes up to about 900 to 1,000 square feet per ton. But make sure that your HVAC is sized properly and that you don't have duct leakage, which is a really tough, you would never know it. You're still getting warm and cool air in your house and you could be, you know, heating your crawl space up at the same time. Yeah. And why people keep ducks in their house, I don't know. Right. That's more of an outdoor thing. But, um, <laughs> I knew that you was also coming. did a cool little spreadsheet. I don't know if you're going to put this up on the website or anything, but I thought this was kind of interesting. Yeah, I may need to update it first. Um, this is the kind of thing that you uh, veg out and, and sit on a computer for hours doing math before you have children and mm-hmm. you know um, my son's almost 17 and you know the years have flown by and I hadn't put a lot of thought into this lately but the the example that I used to use still applies today I would tell folks this is before energy efficiency was as cool as it is now but um, I told folks hey just a little bit of an investment up front will save you a lot in the long run if you build a house the way that we just described and you do the you know the larger exterior walls and you do a few little things as far as the sear rating on your HVAC you may spend an extra five thousand dollars when you build that house but what I was seeing with the houses we built is that they had these incredibly low utilities. I actually built a, the handicap accessible house, I told you, for right. my great uncle. Um, his He was all electric. He had eight-foot ceilings, so the cubic footage worked perfectly there, but he never got an electric bill over $45. Duke Power came out and changed his meter twice, and I was so proud of that because I said, you know, they think that there's a problem, and it's just so well-built. They haven't seen a lot of houses like this. But um, Good the, for him. The rule of thumb is that your utility should cost about a dollar to a dollar twenty-five per square foot. So so, you know, 3,000 square foot house, $300 electric bill if you're all electric. Uh, what we were seeing is our electric bills were coming in as low as 30, 40 cents per square foot. So I plug these numbers into a spreadsheet. Uh, Duke Energy has their price per kilowatt hour uh, projections right there on their website. And you can go and we used a, a very conservative version of the price per kilowatt hour increases. And we plugged in, okay, you should spend this with traditional insulation. Mm-hmm. If you do the souped up version over here, you know, you're saving 60 cents on a dollar every month for the life of that house. And what that translated to in a 30-year mortgage is that, say, you know, you spend a little extra money and on a 1,200-square-foot house, you were saving as much as $100,000 over the life of that mortgage. And what was cool is the bigger the house, the more you saved every month, the more it multiplied that end number after 30 years exponentially. So basically what I told people is, hey, you don't have to do this, but you can pay for your house once or you can pay for it twice. Very good. Yep. We'll have that information up on the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. And coming up next, something you can also take advantage of 
at that same website, and that is going to be Ask the Contractor. When you go onto the website, you're going to see a little button there to press, and you can put in some basic information, and then your question about your house, inside, outside, top, bottom. Donnie likes to get them all. He answers them all, and we like to pick the best ones and answer them right here on the show, and we're going to do that next on the Carolina Contractor Show. We'll be back with more of the Carolina Contractor Show. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome back to the Carolina Contractor Show. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. It's time for the most popular game taking over the nation. It's Ask the Contractor on the Carolina Contractor Show. You have a question about your house you want to ask Donnie, he can help you. Just go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Click on Ask the Contractor, and he'll take your questions for you. And we like to take some of the big ones or ones that seem a little bit more common and answer them once in a while, just a question that's very unique. Yep. And now that I've set everybody up with that, this isn't a question. This is more of a warning, but you're going to right. go into detail. Somebody wrote in that their neighbor had a disposal that was never plumbed into the waste drain and it dumped into their crawl space and basically ruined their floor framing. Let's go into detail about this. This right. sounds horrible. It, it was a horrible scenario and uh, fortunately for the homeowner, this is all in the past and they've got all this fixed, but I don't think I've heard anything this extreme since we've been doing the show, so I felt compelled to, to air this out, but um, what happened was this disposal was just dumping in the crawl space, water, uh, as much water as ground up uh, food that they put through there, just whatever else, it all ended up in the crawl space. Well, you know, pretty tight crawl space, so no reason to go down there for years and years. And uh, it was told to me that one of the homeowners was actually walking across and fell through the floor. So, oh my, yeah, gosh. yeah, very scary. So, um, anyway, don't think they were hurt, but uh, of course, what do you do when that happens? Is you call your insurance company. The insurance company came out and denied the claim. And the reason why is when you have damage to your house that insurance is supposed to cover, it has to be under a covered peril, meaning a cause of loss, such as wind or things like that. This was a workmanship defect. So the plumber, and side note, when they called the plumber, the plumber had died. Oh. <laughs> so, um, Fell through a wall, uh, yeah, floor maybe. Right. So the insurance uh, company told them they did not have coverage for this, and rightly so. I know it makes the insurance company sound bad, but this is just something that uh, was totally workmanship. It, it wasn't covered by insurance, mm. and it was long-term damage. It had been happening for so long that uh, they had to basically move out of the house for several months, had to remove all the floors because the mold was the culprit. It had molded the bottom of the floor yep. system. The mold ate through all the floor components, and basically they had zero for the structural to walk on every day. So so they had to start basically um, from the crawl space and and rebuild that almost that entire house from the inside. Mm. And uh, all is well. They were able to, um, you know, get that done out of pocket. And I guess they had resources elsewhere besides the insurance that made that a possibility. But I just wanted to talk about something that's really inexpensive and could have prevented this whole thing. Uh, we talked a few shows back about a water alarm, and a lot right. of people don't know these exist. There's two types you can buy. Uh, one is less than a hundred dollars, and it works off a of Wi-Fi. You just put it in an area where if there were going to be a pipe burst or there were going to be too much water, that of course it will alert you if the moisture content goes over a certain amount. And um, like I said, a lot of these are less than $100. You could have multiple of these hooked up in your house. And what it'll do is it'll tell you, you know, if there's an excessive amount of water in that area, all of a sudden, a lot of these double as freeze detectors. And so you can, it will tell you if your pipes are frozen or mm -hmm. if you have a problem there. And the other type, which is a little more expensive,
expensive because you have to have a plumber install these is the same thing, but it goes actually goes on a water line. So it senses uh, a change in pressure and things like that. So a little more complex. And um, if I were going to put one of these on my personal house, I would probably do the latter just because it's a foolproof operation. And mm-hmm. not so sure I trust the Wi-Fi technology for a water alarm. But nonetheless, $100 mm-hmm. for a fail safe if anything like this ever happens to keep from crawling under your house. And I mean, realistically, how many times do people go under their house? Not much. Yeah. When I was making my show notes to, to talk about this, I, I ran across something uh, that was featured at the International Builder Show for 2020. And um, this is a neat thing. Total side note here, but it's a CO monitor. And it, it when it detects abnormal air quality, mm-hmm. basically it triggers an action. So this isn't out yet, but it will be out. It's made by Braun. If you want to look it up online, it's uh, from B-R-A-U-N. Mm-hmm. Um, but Braun has actually figured out a way to tie your HVAC system, the, the CO monitors, and just any type of fixture that might be a problem into the cloud. So, you know, said CO monitor detects there's a problem. It talks to the HVAC unit. HVAC unit kicks on the fresh air intake or it pulls air out of the house and it basically does the safety work for you. Crazy. It is. See, there's automation that I like. I like it too. Yep. All right, question number two for the Carolina contractor. We lost shingles during the last windstorm and the insurance company will only pay to put on three tab shingles back on the house. That's the same thing we had before that was damaged. Do we have any other options? So unfortunately, this is how uh, it works with insurance. If you have a three tab shingle, that's all they'll pay to put back. And most of the time, people will come out of pocket to upgrade to an architectural that we see. Um, uh, basically, uh, average houses say 30 squares, and uh, architectural shingles are anywhere from 10 to $15 more than the three-tab shingle. Mm-hmm. What you're getting with a three-tab shingle at max is a 25-year warranty, and that's prorated. And, and basically, the, the shingle companies, I'm seeing that they're, they're cycling these three tabs out, and there's just not a big market for those any longer. Um, we did a show a couple weeks ago on HDZ shingles, and my recommendation is, especially if you're in an area that's prone to wind damage, right. that you definitely go back with an architectural just to paint you a picture. An architectural tab, of course, it's just over three feet wide, and uh, it's one big shingle tab where three tabs in that th- same three-foot span, you have three individual tabs that can lift up, and it's just a vulnerable point for wind. So I recommend doing the architectural shingles, number one, but definitely getting a shingle like the HDZ that has an unlimited wind warranty. And um, another thing, if that's, you know, that extra three, four, five hundred dollars uh, is tough to come by, uh, we're going to do a whole show in about two weeks on financing and just how that's changed. Uh, of course, we offer financing at SureTop, so right. um, that's been a, a really big thing for us lately because the rates are so good and just the programs that they have for financing. I mean, who wouldn't want a roof for $130 a month to get the best roof you can get? So, And the HDZ by GAF, the Z stands for zombie. I always have to correct you on this. It actually stands for zone because these have a wider strike zone for the nail flange and basically make, they make the installation foolproof. Would you talk to Ron about that? Because I think zombie would sell a whole lot we more. We just saw Ron earlier and we said this. He said, Eric always calls this zombie. I said, but it's starting to catch on. All right, we got time for one more question. Let's burn Let's through it. this one. All the houses in our subdivision have the old masonite siding. We've noticed several folks changing out their siding, but it looks like they're using masonite to replace mm-hmm. it. We've had so much problems with our masonite siding, we prefer not to go back to that inferior product. What are some options here? Yeah, well, masonite, it is definitely an inferior product. I'm not a fan of it, and unfortunately, there's thousands and thousands of homes right around the triangle here that have masonite. I don't think it would even be a thing if it weren't for repairs, so uh, eventually it'll be obsolete, but um, people still make it just because uh, folks use it for repairs. Mm-hmm. But an option you have is fiber cement, so a lot of people call this Hardy Plank or Hardy Board, you hear it called, and that's actually um, a particular manufacturer, James Hardy, came out with that. He was somewhat of the mm-hmm. pioneer, but there are several lines of fiber cement out there now, like Hardy, Allura, other products. But um, fortunately, they have made this fiber cement in the same profile that matches that masonite. So my recommendation, especially if it's something, you know, the bottom two or three courses closest to the ground, you definitely want to go back with fiber cement because you can't tell the difference unless you 
touch it. Right. Um, uh, the other thing to the other thing to double check before you do this is if the restrictive covenants in the homeowner association will allow that because uh, a lot of these covenants are are so strict that they don't want you using a product if you should be in like a historical district or something similar to that. My recommendation is if you replace all this masonite on your house and you pull it all off and go back with a fiber cement product, uh, don't go with the same profile that looks like the masonite. This is your one <laughs> shot to look different. And like we mentioned in the first segment today, uh, if you are lacking in any kind of window insulation or insulation around your windows rather or any kind of cavity insulation, it's the perfect time to get an energy audit done and fix those problems while you have your house opened up. That will cut down on your convective and uh, conductive heat transfer. When you always have this uh, pressure, positive pressure on your house, you know, it's a it's a good time to seal that envelope up and just get it done the right way. Uh, a lot of these masonite houses were 30, 40 years old, so mm-hmm. they just didn't have the same insulation requirements and uh, for that matter, not, not as much knowledge as we have now. So good chance to bring everything up to speed. If you have a question for Donnie, you can go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Again, the little button there, ask the contractors, the one you want to click on. You can also get information about past shows. If you need help with your roof, we've had winter weather, we've had stormy weather, windy weather. If you think you have an issue with it, contact SureTopRoofing.com. Donnie and his staff will come out there and they'll look at your house and maybe they'll bring out the drone, which is cool. (laughs) And he's also added uh, missiles and a flamethrower to the drone. So it's something to entertain the kids. You're not supposed to say that on the air. Ask for the drone. It's kind of cool. But the best thing Donnie can tell you when he comes out to your house and checks out your roof is what? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we will see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show, presented by Shoretop Roofing. Submit your questions online at thecarolinacontractor.com. And tune in next week as we continue to help you make your home great again. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.